1: is Lloyd, Lloyd, to Lloyd, 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 Lloyd.
0: Kane, which grand final did you cry in?
1: Uh, um, 2008. <laughs> uh, I think I started crying when Cameron Mooney uh, missed the goal before halftime and it, it just felt like the disaster was happening. But no, actually don't think I did cry in that one. Was, I, at 95, let's go with 95, when Geelong got flogged by the Blues, I'm sure... Uh, my friends will love hearing me say that. I think I was four years old and very upset. <laughs> I'm, sure,
0: I'm sure you would have. That one, that one was over basically as soon as it started. <laughs> yeah, the,
1: exactly. the inverse of the uh, Geelong Port Adelaide final. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if, you're gonna play, if your team's going to play in the grand final, it does not get any better than the Port Adelaide game because there is literally zero stress. It was <laughs> a glorious day, especially for the Geelong fans that you know, clearly hadn't had much success to, uh, to get too excited about. That was like the, the dream, just to, no nerves at all.
0: Yeah, it was a that was a, a bit of a fizzer for everyone else, but I'm sure as a Geelong fan, it would have been awesome. But hey, look what we're talking about here is uh, Damian Hardwick just being a little bit um, I don't know dickheadish, I guess, <laughs> talking about uh, responding to comments from David Schwartz. Uh, yeah, talking about in the 2000 grand final that, that Schwartz was apparently crying 20 minutes into it. I, what's 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 the need? What's the need for this?
1: I don't know. I actually put down in the rundown sheet Hardwick acting like a dick. That's just basically what I wrote down. Yep. And I don't. I don't know. I, I think he he was kind of, you know, I don't know if it was necessary. I actually don't mind. You know, uh, the coaches and players going at each other. So the whole Mitch Robinson thing, Tom Lynch thing. If Hardwick wants to fire a few barbs at Schwartz, I don't really mind. I know there was a lot of talk about, you know, what Schwartz has been through. Clearly, he's been through some difficult times. I, I don't know whether. Essendon flogging Melbourne in the grand final. I don't know whether people are reaching a little bit, trying to connect that. Um, maybe it was a little bit out of line from Hardwick. Overall, I don't actually mind if there's a bit of banter between, uh, you know, media and coaches and players, and between coaches. We, we've spoke about Hardwick and Longmire. I will say though, Richmond, you know, look at the the COVID breaches they've had, different things that have gone on it hasn't been a great year off the field for the tigers has it no it hasn't they've uh, yeah they, when you win flags you get hated but they're also not
0: helping themselves in terms of just the the, the on-field stuff the off-field stuff this this sort of thing it hasn't been the greatest um uh, optical season i guess from richmond especially starting out as slow as they did also but we've got plenty of other news happening here at, as well. Um, you spoke about COVID breaches, Port Adelaide yeah. uh, in hot water as well with Laddams and Houston now suspended for uh, for breaching protocols.
1: Yeah, so this is a little bit difficult because this is obviously very different to the Elijah incident with Sydney because they were in a hub and they actually broke the, the government rules for uh, living in the hub and, and with COVID. So this one is a little bit different and I, I must admit, and I think this is why... Yeah, ultimately when the footy left victoria it was probably the best thing for these teams i mean you can talk about family all you want but let's be honest victoria's in lockdown so uh, any of those players complaining about leaving victoria like give me a spell because if you lived here it's not great time at the moment so uh, i think the difficulty for port adelaide is that south australia is doing pretty well so other people are allowed to have 10 people at their house the players obviously have to abide by different rules and this was pretty blatant uh, inviting a bunch of people including uh, a player over to your house was uh, breaking the rules. So that's obviously why they didn't get done for the season and it was only a few games. But, you know, for Port Adelaide, uh, they'd be super frustrated by this because Laddams has been a guy that's been really important in the last few weeks. He's been in great touch. He's been playing really, really well. And Houston's been an absolute fixture in the team for, for quite a while now. So this is two key players. We've already spoke about Port. The fact that, uh, you know, they're going to front up now. They got beaten badly by Geelong last Friday night. So this is just something that they probably didn't need when they're looking to bounce back a little bit. Yeah, because we've talked about, you know, how they've had those losses to those top teams and they do
0: need to get back on track and they probably still will against Hawthorne. And we highlighted the rest, of their, the rest of their fixture looks pretty uh, manageable, but... It's not ideal to lose these guys for, for two and three weeks here. Down the stretch, at least, they will be back for the finals. And, and you're right in terms of the severity of the suspension because of, of the difference in terms of where they're living versus where Elijah Taylor was in that hub situation. It is a little bit of a different scenario. But, yeah, hey, you've got to try and abide by these rules. It can be frustrating, but you know, we've, we've all got to do little bits and pieces in our everyday lives, and those guys uh, just broke the rules there. But we had more news. There's some Geelong news here as well. Uh,
1: actually, Kane with Gary Ablett, uh, looking
0: like he's uh, about
1: to return. Yeah, Gary Ablett and Shane Edwards, I, I think, are going to be boarding a plane, possibly today, they were talking about. So, again, you talk about two teams that are looking to contend. They're going to be really, really pumped about this. Both of those guys will have to go through the 14 day quarantine. You know, Ablett for the Cats would be a pretty handy addition as they're just starting to roll. It'll be interesting, though, because the one thing that Ablett doesn't do as well as yeah, probably a, a Dullhouse, maybe a, even, you know, a Brad Close, these types of guys that have come in. A Gary Rowan, these small to mid-forwards, he doesn't bring the, the you know, ferocious pressure that those guys have brought. But what he does do is the class is just through the roof. I mean, we spoke about his kicking ability and the fact that having him around the half-forward line, his delivery to the forwards, is just absolute first-class. And, and it does make the Cats even more dangerous up forward. We know they've kicked more goals than any other team in the league, so they'll be pumped about that. And And for Richmond you know, I mean, they've been playing a bunch of younger guys. They've really been able to keep their head above water with a huge injury list and a few other things going on, players that didn't make it to the hub. They're about to get Bashir Hooli back this week, and now they're going to add Shane Edwards. So for a Tigers team that's been looking pretty scary for the last month, uh, just a, a, another huge addition for them. Both guys will have to have the... The 14 day quarantine before they can play, obviously. And we've got Joel, Joel Selwood dealing with a
0: hamstring issue at the moment. Looks like he'll be out this week also for Geelong.
1: Yeah, Scotty didn't give much away here, but we know he did have the hamstring injury where he missed a couple of games. I thought that they brought him back pretty quick. Yeah, they I did. I mean, we, we spoke about this, uh, Josh, and said that, you know, we thought he might have missed a couple of extra games. So it looks like he's still got a bit of soreness there. And Scott said he might miss a game or two. It's interesting. I've spent a lot of time this week. Looking at numbers for Geelong for a story that, if I can plug my own work, has just uh, dropped on ESPN regarding the, the Geelong defensive structures. There's a bunch of video there. I, I had a lot of fun doing it. But one of the things that I looked at was center bounce attendances and uh, differential. The Cats are a really good clearance team. So Salwood has attended the second most center bounces for the Cats, only behind Dangerfield, 168 center bounces, and he's broken even in those. And it's interesting because all the other top players for the Cats have a positive differential. So obviously that can swing if if there's one bad game that maybe he played and other guys didn't play. But, you know, it is interesting. The Cats haven't exactly been dominating uh, with Selwood in the middle of the season. Yeah, so
0: yeah, not that it's a, a tough matchup for them against Geelong, but maybe it is that you know, if Selwood's just not feeling hundred percent, if he's at ninety four percent, yeah, you say well, we'll sit this one out, Joel, and we'll, we'll we'll get the other guys in there. We'll get uh, you know Guthrie's been playing so mm-hmm. well, we'll get Menegola through the middle. We'll put Parfit in there a little bit more, and we should you know, feel comfortable with getting that victory over Adelaide in, in this one. Um, but it is uh, Sir Doug Nichols' Round this week, Kane. So we're we're celebrating Indigenous uh, culture, Indigenous footballers. Who's your favorite Indigenous player?
1: Well, I, <laughs> I've i got a biased pick here that I'm going to get to. My actual favorite all-time player, nearly all, all-time player to watch, it was Andrew McLeod. Uh, I mean, he was just unbelievable. There was a stretch, obviously, in the late 90s, but even through the early 2000s when he he did move to basically half halfback, uh, he, he was just so beautiful to watch. When he got the footy, he was just gl- gliding across the ground. His, his skills, foot skills were unbelievable. There's still a goal... I remember he kicked, was it against Hawthorne? I, I think where he kicked a late goal right on the boundary, about 55 out. Uh, he was unbelievable. But Rock and Ronnie Burns, I've got to give him a mention. Through the 90s, uh, after that devastating 95 grand final loss, Rock and Ronnie, <laughs> five time leading goal kicker, he's still top 25 all time with the Cats. He kicked 239 goals in 134 games. He went to the Crows for a little bit. But the Cats, you know, they were pretty bad through that stretch from 96 through to 2000, 2001. And, and Ronnie. Ronnie was the, one of the only reasons to uh, to watch that team. I wasn't
0: expecting a Ronnie Burns mention on the show, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be honest. But, hey, you're a, you're a Geelong fan, so you've uh, you've seen a lot of Burns up close. And, of course, my one's going to be by. So well, I think if I'm looking league-wide, Andrew McLeod was probably my guy as well. Um, yeah, he did some damage against Bulldogs teams in finals. We remember that. Those two uh, back-to-back Norm Smithers.
1: Smithers—that's not the right word. Norm Smith medals. Uh, <laughs> who's you, who's you, who do you think is uh, so? Who do you think is going to be in the grand final this year? If, if you had to guess,
0: who do I think is going to be in the grand final this year? Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I would say probably
1: Brisbane and Geelong. Okay, so if it was Brisbane and Geelong, who would you put your money on for the Norm Smithers medal? <laughs> <laughs> the Norm Smithers. Uh, we'll, uh, I'll I'll get back to you on that one.
0: So let me continue <laughs> okay. with what I was saying. My favourite uh, Indigenous player of all time is a player that. Many people listening to this podcast probably have never even heard of, and that is Mark West, who played 16 games for the Western Bulldogs between 96 and 98. He consistently had shoulder injuries, um, but he was one of the hardest and most like aggressive midfielders that you will you will ever see play and he stepped it up in finals in the 97-98 finals which i talked about mcLeod he would get in there he when Jose Ramiro went down early in the preliminary final with a, um, a shoulder injury he stepped up at about 20 touches about you know five inside 50s tackles or he was just one of the hardest players uh, couldn't really kick goals he had a, a three goal 10 record over his career but just one of the the hardest most aggressive aggressive midfielders that I think would have developed into a really top class uh, midfielder who could run and kick and, and was super hard defensively, but just consistently just his shoulder would just pop out, dislocated like all the time. And he only managed 16 games over three years. And if anyone else who's listening to this remembers Mark West, please let me know. I got his num- number on the back of my jumper back then. Big old number 34. <laughs> Cause I was that into this guy. He was unbelievable to watch. And yeah, most of you have never watched him play. Dreadlocks. Yes
1: yep I remember him uh
0: relatively Ma- well massive ass <laughs> just would just get in there and just throw it around and just sit guys down really quickly
1: I like it I like it so anyway hit us up also on the Twitter at locked on AFL not locked on bucks locked on AFL and let us know your favorite indigenous players. I just thought we should chuck that in there. I was watching 360 last night and uh, I thought it was pretty cool the, the amount of players that they had on there and asking them who their favorite players were. And I, I saw someone mention this on, on Twitter, I think it was, but it was kind of crazy to, to hear how many of those players were saying Cyril Rioli was their idol when you think about how young some of these guys that are coming in. And even, you know, a 2008 grand final where Cyril was unbelievable, that's, uh, they, were, they were very young back then it's kind of crazy to think about we're, we're just old maybe we're just yeah, old but that's, that's it this weekend back to a conventional afl round and I, i'm kind of annoyed I, I don't really understand why the full teams aren't out I, I, I don't know what's going on they're making our life a little bit difficult here but what i'm looking for from the weekend is the Dreamtime game it's at tio stadium uh, away from the mcg where it normally is but have the Bombers got anything left in the tank? I mean, we've spoke about them. They are really disappointing against St. Kilda last week. Their percentage sucks. They're at 86%. Uh, they haven't had a win for their last four games, three losses, and, of course, the draw that they had as well. Tigers in red-hot form. Uh, this is, again, I mean, we're going to continue to say this as teams start to drop out of the race, but this is last chance for the Bombers. I know points-wise they're still hanging in there, but they've got to show something. If they get blown out again and lose more percentage, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I just can't see them making the eight. I, I think they need to stand up here. And the Dreamtime game might be a, a good opportunity for them to do so.
0: And they've got a, a, a horrible, horrible remaining fixture. They've got Richmond this week, then they've got Hawthorne, and they close out with West Coast, Geelong, and Port Adelaide. So, yeah, yeah they, they're in real, they're in massive trouble. I Don't care about the game in hand anymore. They're in massive trouble because they might get one win here out of their last five. Um and they're not looking good at the moment as well. Their last win came against the Crows. Their last win before that came against the Kangaroos. So it, they last time they beat a team that was good was Collingwood in round five. Um, so that's, that's a worry. And that's the only team they've actually beaten all season that you would consider solid because their other wins came against Fremantle and Sydney. So while they started out with this four and one record, including that big win over Collingwood. It has not been, uh, it's not been pretty at all for this team, and I think they're in massive chance of getting blown out again here.
1: Yeah, I just can't see them kicking a the score. I mean, on the season, they've only got one guy that's averaging more than one goal a game, uh, and that's Jake Stringer, and he's not there. And, you know, it's kind of funny to look back and see that their season really started to fall apart when he went out. We know that they've been decimated by injuries. There's no doubt about that, and we spoke – at, you know, it's kind of a weird situation that they find themselves in. They're still dangling the carrot of Joe Danaher coming back and playing. and Which is, yeah, he's not playing
0: this week. Uh, what's that? He's been ruled out for this week.
1: Yeah, but uh, well, the point is that you can see why they're dangling that carrot. Yeah. And you can see why they want him in there because they're desperately trying to salvage something from this season. And you just look at the lineup and they just they just don't have a goal kicker. They've tried different guys, whether it's uh, Sean McKernan, obviously Jacob Townsend. A lot of the season has had to play as a full forward. I don't know whether they go, uh, you know, with with a couple of ruckmen. I, I'm not sure. I just they don't have goal kickers, and I, I don't know. We've spoke about the delivery inside Ford. fifty. Certainly with Sam Vicini when he was on the the podcast, that was something that he highlighted. But even with the delivery, I, I don't know. I mean, you're relying on guys like Devin Smith and Kyle Langford. And I just don't have much faith that they can kick you three or four goals in a game and get you to a winning score against the Tigers, who you look down the other end and you've got Rewald and you've got Tom Lynch. I mean, they can just literally put the ball in the air and give themselves an opportunity. The Bombers don't have that. There's no bailout. I don't think they can kick a score. Yeah, I... I I've talked about this you know, a couple of weeks ago. Like, who is who's the option? Who's
0: kicking goals for them? And you know, against a, a Richmond backline that's been you know, pretty good most of the season, you worry about and, and trying to get the ball in there with a midfield with a midfield dead differential, I guess, between these two teams, it's going to make it really tough. And they lose this one because um, this is out of the tough games. It's probably the most gettable one, and it's against the reigning premiers. So it's it's pretty much done for them I think if they can't win this one they'll pro- they'll get the win the, the week after most likely against Hawthorne but they are they're in real trouble here and I, this, I agree with you about the Stringer injury. I think that's massive for them and losing Dyson Heppel of course is not ideal that Stringer was looking so good in that Collingwood game and it just gave them that option that explosive option that can go forward that can go uh, up the ground into the midfield that can be someone who can take a grab and kick a goal and create things on the ground and in the air and they just don't have anyone who can do really either of those things at the moment
1: yeah, on average, on the season, they're plus seven in in se- uh, in plus seven in clearances. Essendon uh, are over the Tigers. They're plus three in center clearances and, and then plus five in stoppage clearances. This is a team that can can win the footy. And they've got three guys averaging over 20 possessions per game in Merritt, uh and also, who's the other one? Uh, McGrath. So w- with those three guys, we know that they're going to accumulate the footy. We know that they get drive from the back line. We spoke about Adam Sardin, and sort of to a lesser extent, Connor McKenna, is a bit of a he's a bit of a wild card. You don't really know what you're going to get from him. But the point is that they'll get entries, they'll get opportunities. But who's going to stand up and kick a score? I just have no idea. Unless they get a performance out of the box, it, it's hard to it's hard to see. It's hard to pick it.
0: Yeah, it is. It's it's going to be a real challenge for them and. You get the worry a little bit that they might be looking at this fixture coming up, and maybe that even happened last week against Saint Kilda that they've half put the queue in the rack. Uh, yeah. especially with the injuries and with their struggles so far, that you you worry about this one. If this one you know, gets, if they get two or three goals down early, you worry about where that's going to where that's going to go and how how much fight they're going to have in them at this point.
1: So, what are you looking at? Uh, there's a bunch of interesting games over the weekend. Uh, I will say we also. Uh, Did already have a bit of a look at the the Brisbane saint Kilda game. Clearly game of the weekend, I I think. But what have you got your eyes on? I want to look at GWS because they were insipid last week
0: against Sydney. 25 (laughs) (laughs) points. Listen, uh, you're not wrong, but
1: I I just like that word.
0: All right. Thank you. Only 25 (laughs) points that they scored. They have West Coast, which is obviously a tougher assignment than taking on Sydney. But they, unlike Essendon, they've got a decent enough run coming after this. Fremantle, Carlton, Adelaide, Melbourne to finish things off. So there's a little bit of optimism or they should have a little bit of optimism in them that they can, at least not, they don't have to necessarily win this game because they could go 4-1 here over the last five games, but they need to be much better than what they were. So I'm looking for a a response, a a fight back, work out what system you're trying to run here because, you know, they, they're, what they've been doing all year hasn't worked and they changed it and that didn't work, they've got to find something that works in terms of you know, move, ball movement and, and getting these guys who are you know, obviously really, really strong options. And I'm not, is Toby Green back this week? I thought I saw that he might be back. I, I don't think so. Oh, there you go. He's, he's not back. Then trying to win without him as well is a is a challenge for them at this stage. And they, if they don't even put up a competitive effort here, which they weren't last week, they weren't competitive at all, then you worry about where that leads them. They're sitting ninth at the moment. There's still a real chance, and I think they probably still will make the eight, given what is left uh, on the docket for them. But they need to show something here because that's going to mean if they get smashed again here, they got smashed against Sydney, and they beat Essendon, who we just highlighted are struggling, by four points the week before that. It's not a good three-week run.
1: It's not. And you sort of pointed to it there. And I know we did touch on it after the game against Sydney, but GWS, they clearly identified what the problem was. Everyone's been speaking about it all season long, their lack of forward 50 entries. And they've gone too far the other way. I mean, they need to take care of the footy a little bit. Uh, You know, they're going to win the footy. They're going to win their first year of clearances. There's, There's too much quality in this GWS team. But when I look, down the list of their their ball accumulators. Josh Kelly's only going at 67% on the season. It's not bad. It's not atrocious. But for a guy with his skill, it, he needs to be using the ball. A he needs to be up in the 70s. Uh, Cornelio down to 63%. Tim Taranto, 61 Hopper, 62 These are their prime movers. These are the guys that they want to have the, the footy in their hands. So I, I think they have to find a balance. Their inside 50 average on the season is now climbed up to 37 it was down around 32 for the longest part of the season. They've had back-to-back weeks where they've had over 50 inside 50s. You don't need to get over 50 uh, to, to win the game, but they need to find that balance somewhere in the middle, in the mid-40s, where the entries aren't just bombing the ball inside 50 and hoping for the best, because we've spoken about this. Guys like uh, you know uh, Cameron... Isn't exactly a guy that's going to take a hanger or he's going to take a big pack mark. He's a spot up guy, so lower the eyes, hit the target up forward, and and just take a bit of pride in the entries because last week there was none of that. And and look, give Sydney some credit, give the backline some credit, no doubt. But it to me, it was just uh, GWS completely going too far the other way from where where they've been, and and they've got too much quality. They they just got to use the ball better.
0: Yeah, it was it was like that. The team just people said to them, "Oh, you don't, you're not going inside fifty enough." And they went, "Well, screw you guys. We're just going (laughs) to every time we kick it, we're going to try and get it inside 50. And there is a a real difference there between the quality entries. I'm not trying to find the the hundred percent perfect one every time, which it felt like they were doing before. Versus, as long as we get an inside fifty, that's all that matters. Because they went at fifty seven percent in that game in in total disposal efficiency for the team. Like that is a horrible number. Sydney were at 64, which is not good in itself, but 57 is horrendous. And you can't go at that sort of inefficiency in terms of disposing of the ball. It just it just isn't going to work. You've got to find that middle spot, and they, they haven't been able to do it. And again, I've said this plenty of times this year, that I don't expect them to win, and I don't think they necessarily need to win here, but they can't lose by 40, they, they can't like they, they if they lose by 15 if they lose by 10 you go oh, that's that's encouraging for the rest of the season they've righted some ship here against a, a team that is just blowing everyone out almost in, in west coast it's about being competitive and while honorable losses don't mean anything i think it's way more important for them to get an honorable loss here than get their ass kicked again
1: well before last week this is the crazy thing before last week they'd won three in a row and they're still outside the eight so that gives you an idea yeah. of how poor and how inconsistent they've been through the season they're outside the eight now so listen uh, i I 100% agree with you, Josh. I, I wouldn't be tipping them. I wouldn't be putting any money on them. But their percentage at 98% right now, they got flogged by Sydney last week. That was a game they should have won. They needed those four points. They can't afford to go down big to the Eagles or you know they're going to be making me look silly for uh, <laughs> banking the top eight. And remember, this is West Coast last in Perth as well. I reckon they're going to want to go out with a bang. Yeah, this, unless
0: unless they're switched on GWS, this is going to get real ugly for them uh, pretty quickly. So they, they need that because they need that confidence to be able to you know, come through for these last four extremely winnable games for them to be able to get themselves back into there. I still think they can do it, but it has been a rough, rough year for GWS this season. So I'm going to be you know, looking pretty closely to see how they actually respond in this
1: game. Uh, Low-key entertaining game, Fremantle and Sydney. On uh, Saturday night, that one is over at Optus Stadium. Hopefully, the weather's good. You know, Fremantle have been in, stuck in a couple of these really wet weather games over in Perth, but hopefully, the weather's good because they both, uh, you know, certainly Sydney in the last couple of weeks is playing some attacking footy. We know Fremantle's been trying to do that through the season. Two of the teams have highlighted as the teams coming through the ranks. So it's on the same time as the Dreamtime, so it's going to be tough to, to choose which game you're going to watch, but that one is uh, low key should be pretty entertaining. I don't think I would have said that about Fremantle-Sydney at the start of the season. No, uh, I, I agree. But the way they've uh, you know, handled themselves
0: over the last you know, four four to six weeks, I, I would say, has been super encouraging. And it gives their supporters a, a ton of excitement to see exactly what they're going to do. And both teams will be looking at this one massively
1: as a winnable game for them. And then, of course, uh, we will get to Collingwood on Monday, I'm sure. Yes, we've absolutely. They've got, the, that's, that's the Monday got game. North Melbourne. And we know North Melbourne nearly upset Brisbane last week. Collingwood. I tell you what, it's it's going to blow up if they do not perform in that game. They just simply have to perform. So we'll get to the pies on Monday as well. But just just a just a standard weekend of footy, just a normal round. We haven't had that for a while. It's been
0: it's been a long time, Kane. But also, it is time for us to wrap up today's show. Thank you again for another great week of Locked On AFL. No worries, mate. Let's go watch the Blazers beat the Lakers. Uh, I, don't, I don't think that's going to happen. Let's yeah. Well. Uh... Six points (laughs) points the margin at the moment as we're recording this, guys. Subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and on Spotify. Give us a five-star rating and a review over on Apple Podcasts. It helps the show out immensely. And today, I'm going to leave you with a shout-out to Darren Buick.